0: Well, hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Parenthood for 2022. And of course, within three seconds of me starting to record, I get interrupted by the door sliding open and someone poking their tongue in, <laughs> which is, come and say hi, Gina, you've come. Hi, everyone. This is Georgia, if you don't recognize my voice. Um... Oh, yeah, you probably haven't done a Parenthood episode with me. No. Maybe you no, should. No, did that group family one. Yeah, that was Christmas. Yeah, true. We haven't I'm done maybe <laughs> we should do yes. You can because... get the real, authentic um, version, <laughs> like my take of all the stories that she tells. To see if she's well, really a good parent. Well, I, today I'm going to talk about Liam because because okay. <laughs> no, because Georgia was so easy, right? You were just this quiet, easy child, and then Liam was born, and I don't know how many photographs I've got of. Um, Liam doing like just annoying the heck out of you do you remember do you remember him screaming (laughs) you don't remember I don't remember my childhood (laughs) (laughs) we we always say George has got issues because she cannot remember her childhood can you not remember your peaceful life being disturbed when Liam was born I was like two years old do you know I must say what Georgia used to do to Liam? She used to I uh, would turn around in the back seat of the car and the next thing he would have lip gloss all over his cheeks. Okay, here comes another kid into the room. Who else is coming in to say hi? It's Ashton. She she would put um she would put lip gloss all over his cheeks and then stickers all over his face. Do you remember doing that to Liam? Yeah, and dressing him up. Yes, she used. Maybe that's why he's disturbed because you used to dress him up as a girl. It's a fairy. Probably. <laughs> oh, anyway, so that was a nice little intro. Thanks, G. There you, go. you going Bye, now? Bye, everyone. Yes. Okay. See ya. George is about to turn twenty-one. Oh yeah, I need to tell you about that. Later. Oh, she's got to tell me about that later. Okay, so pray for me. I've got. To, I don't like doing events. Okay, this is the downside for me being a mother. I don't like cooking. And I don't like running parties. It was easy when they were little because you could just do crafts. But now that she's 21, it's like whole new levels. So anyway, I'll tell you about that later. All right. So... That was a nice little interruption. I wasn't planning that. But what I want to talk to you about today is, um, and this is an episode specifically for mums, but if you're a dad or you're a grandparent, please don't turn off because I know as per usual, this is information that will help everybody. But I really want to talk to mums of strong willed children. Um, this one's going to have a little bit of a bent, I guess, towards mothers of boys, only because my strong-willed child was a boy. Georgia was just super easy. She still is very kind of super easy and chilled. Um, but I, you, you can take it, look, you might have a daughter who's strong-willed and you, you will equally be um, find this episode uh, helpful to you. So... Let me just first say I know firsthand how absolutely exhausting it is having a strong-willed child. Okay? So, I am not coming at you today as a parent who is going to tell you what to do and never had to put this into practice myself because I had a super strong-willed child when Liam was born. And so I'm sharing here from first-hand experience, okay? And what I want to share with you, you you know, my take with parenting, I like these episodes to be fairly short, 15 or 20, kind of 20 minutes, but I want you always to be able to take one thing away. And you are definitely going to be able to take one thing away. Something that I read when I was in the thick of dealing with my strong willed child, and this completely changed me and I've never forgotten it. In fact, it completely turned my parenting around. And I'm convinced it was not just a game changer for me, but it was a game changer for him because I don't think he would have um, perhaps turned out (laughs) as well as what he has maybe if I didn't learn this one super duper important thing. Um, Now, I know that it is so much easier to use your child's personality as an excuse and I, I hear parents do that. My mother-in-law tried to do this for me. I remember she would see my frustrations and how difficult I found it to parent Lee when he was really young. And she would say to me, oh, it's just his personality. He's just strong-willed or he's not a good sleeper. But I just remember thinking, I don't want my child's personality to be an excuse for me not parenting him properly. Um, you know, to me, using his personality was not an excuse to let him continue to get away with behaving poorly or to excuse my parenting. Um, and I didn't think other people would have to, should have to suffer by the way, either from a poorly behaved child. Cause believe me, you ever tried sitting in a cafe next to a really naughty kid. It's like, oh my gosh, the whole cafe is now paying for this. Um, but I want you to hear me loud and clear Please let today be the last day that you excuse your child's behavior and let today be the day that you decide I am going to take responsibility for it. Um, So, I'm going to share something pretty brief with you today, probably tell more stories than anything, and then next week I'll go into a little bit more of the how to's. But first, let me tell you what I remember. Um, So, as you know, like I just said, Georgia was really easy. She was easy from when she was a baby. She was just very quiet, very compliant an absolute joy, just like an amazingly easy little girl to raise. And then when Liam was born and don't get me wrong, I love him to bits and I'm super close with him, but guys, he was born screaming. Georgia didn't cry when she was born, which is probably concerning actually, because I had interuterine growth retardation with her. That's what they used to call it. Don't judge me. That's what they used to call it. Um, But when Liam was born, he was born screaming to the degree that the midwives and my obstetrician were laughing. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cute but not when it continued. Now the midwife, I remember I was still in hospital because I'd had a cesarean and she came to me one morning because they kept him in the nursery all night to give me a break, knowing that it was my second child. And when she brought him in, in the morning, probably, I don't know, 6.30 to be fed, this is, this is literally what she said to me. I should have been offended. In fact, mothers these days would probably get offended. I was not offended. I just remember thinking, Oh, I'm in trouble. This is what she said. Renee, your son is a monster. He grows two heads at night. I didn't even have to ask her what she meant. I knew that that was code for he just basically screamed and screamed in the nursery all night long for no reason. They'd given him formula. He was not hungry. He just decided that he wanted to be with his mom. And my obstetrician, I remember saying to me, don't worry, just take him home and he will settle. Well, I took him home and he did not settle. He probably didn't settle for three or four years. And I did all the routine gear that I talked to you guys about. And I did have him sleeping fairly well, but he pretty much just seemed to be handed to me. He just seemed to come out in one big, bad, stubborn mood, which continued for quite a while now, let me tell you a couple of stories. Poor Liam, he doesn't listen to this podcast, so he'll never know. But anyway, I remember Cameron used to travel at the time. We were um, we were pastors, we were youth pastors, but he started traveling by that stage. And I remember when he was away, one of the other pastor friends went with him, and I borrowed his car, which was like a eight or nine seater. Maybe it was a seven-seater. I can't remember. Anyway, I decided, oh, let's take Georgia and Liam and a couple of the leaders, and we'll go up and see the Christmas lights at Lobethal. Those of you from Adelaide know Lobethal's a beautiful country town, probably a forty-five-minute drive away from where we lived. Anyway, Liam decided because I was driving and he couldn't sit near me that he would scream not only the whole way there but the whole way back. It was a long drive. He didn't just scream, he literally was gurgling and frothing at the mouth and then arching his back and trying to rip himself out of his car seat. So I remember, now he would have been about 14 months old and I remember just thinking, I was so embarrassed. Here, here I am, the pastor, being a, being an example to all of these girls that I was taking up to Loberthorn. They were all trying to calm him down, but by that stage, we were kind of like laughing because we knew what Liam was like. But in the end, I had to pull over and let one of the other girls drive so that I could sit next to him. Now. I didn't want to give in to him, but I also didn't want the girls to have to suffer with hearing his screaming for the next 45 minutes, but he just seemed to control every environment that I was in. I remember on the nights that I would preach, um, there was only one person I could hand him to, and that was Sarah, and she was a, still is, a speech pathologist. She lives in England now. And she was the only leader that could control him and that wasn't intimidated by his temper. But he would literally froth at the mouth the entire time that I was preaching. Um, I remember another time when Cameron was away, uh, he was overseas And I remember it was daytime and it was Liam's nap time and he decided that nap time was over. But as you would know, I train my kids to be good sleepers and I said nap time was not over. Now he was in a cot at the time, but he was very active. So he kept climbing out of his cot and coming to me and I would tell him nap time is not over. Mummy is putting you back to bed and I would put him back in his cot Now, he kept throwing himself out. I kept putting him back in. Guys, this went on for 11 times. And I remember in the end, I'm crying. I'm crying. I mean, he was crying, but I was crying as I was putting him back into his cot. Finally, he stayed in his cot, but he screamed the house down. Um, I remember being pregnant with Ashton, and this was kind of still going on with Liam, And he decided that he didn't want to sleep in his bed, but he wanted to sleep in our bed. And every night at about midnight, the whinging and the crying would start. And then I'd hear him hop out of bed and start walking towards our room. And every night, Cameron would have to march him back. So there's just a few stories. He was very, very strong-willed. And the only way in the end, as he got older, that I could cope was to say to him, wait until your father gets home. Now, Cameron, of course, being much bigger and having that male, you know, that male presence and that male voice, he seemed to have a little bit more control over him. But that was my way of coping. Um, And when Cameron wasn't around, I just didn't know what to do. But then one day, I read something, which is what I want to tell you about, that was a complete game changer for me. Now, you've got to remember, I grew up in a house with no men or boys. I had no brothers. I had no father. I was used to a quiet household of three girls. And um, so when I had Liam, I remember going to Kurong and I went and got a book by James Dobson called Bringing Up Boys um, because I didn't really know a lot about boys. And, um, and so I wanted to learn how I could bring up this this son of mine, when I really felt like I had no clue, and in the book, let me read to you um, this this part that just really changed my life. But it said that um, little boys, despite the importance of an early mother-child bond, um, that little boys do begin to pull away from their mums during the period between fifteen and thirty-six months. Okay, so I knew that I was like, okay, that's probably the age he was starting to come to. But then it goes on to say, believe it or not, this is a moment of opportunity for mum. She must take charge during these delightful but challenging days of toddlerhood. It is not sufficient to leave the discipline solely to dad. um, Sorry, solely to dad. Respect for her authority and leadership are rooted in this period and opportunities that are lost will be difficult to recover later on. Now, I'm reading that literally from the book in front of me right now. And I underlined that 20 years ago, (laughs) you know, still got the book, but listen to that last sentence again. It's not sufficient to leave the discipline to dad. Respect for her authority and leadership are rooted in this period. And opportunities that are lost will be difficult to recover later on. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I understood the moment I read that, that respect for my authority and my leadership when Liam was older was going to depend on the respect that he was having for my authority right then and there when he was 14 months of age. So if you want your strong-willed child to respect you when they are 14 and 15 and 16, then the only way that they will learn to do so is if you demand it when they're two and three and four. And remember that last little part of the sentence said that if you don't use those opportunities. Those lost opportunities are very hard to recover. I knew that that meant if I didn't get a handle on him, me, not passing it off to Cameron, me as the mum, if I didn't get a handle on my strong-willed child, I knew that it would be very difficult for me to recover as a parent when he got older. So that was my game changer. If I wanted Liam to respect me when he was a six foot three young man, which he now is, then I had to demand that he respect my authority when he was 14 months old. I will never forget reading that. That was a complete game changer for me. And then further along in the book, it actually went on to say, if parents were to instill the concept of proper God honoring authority in their children from the start it would be far easier to enforce when the preteen years arrive. So I'm not going to go into the into the hows um, of how to do that. I will unpack that a little bit more next week. But what I realized and what I want you to take away from this is you can't palm your difficult child or your strong-willed child off to someone else. You can't palm. I know for me, I couldn't palm Liam off to Cameron. I now knew better. And so I know, I knew at that moment that I had to do better. I could no longer threaten him with, wait until your father comes home, which I used to do a lot. It was my way of controlling him and my way of trying to get him to respect me Was to tell him, you just wait until your father gets home. But I realized all of a sudden that what I was doing in doing that was actually undermining my own authority and my own parenting, and that that would not end well in years to come. He had to learn to listen to me, he had to learn to obey me, he had to learn to respect me, and that was up to me as his mother to teach him. And that's really challenging just remember a stone can't carve itself. A strong willed child needs us to help shape them. A strong willed child needs structure. They need supervision and they need to learn to respect authority and they need us to be strong with them. Let me just end on a couple more reasons why this is important. Um, And this again came out of that same book. And this is more to do with the mother-son relationship, but I think you really could apply this to any strong-willed child. But a study that was done at Harvard University around this mother-son relationship found that 91% of college men who said they had not enjoyed a close relationship with their mothers developed coronary disease hypertension, duodenal ulcers, and alcoholism by the midlife years. And 100% of the participants in this study, whose parents were cold and distant, went on to suffer numerous different diseases in midlife. So in short, the study found that the quality of early relationship between boys and their mother is a powerful predictor of lifelong psychological and physical health. So when when certain needs are not met in infancy, then trouble will loom down the road. And I will unpack next week how I did this um, with Liam, because I don't want to overwhelm you today. But can I just tell you, as someone who was so exhausted as a young mum with two kids. And I remember, I remember I would constantly say, and I probably shouldn't have because words are powerful, but I would constantly say, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure Liam's aged me at least five years. I was sure that I looked five years older from the stress of it. But well, let me just say, when you take responsibility, like I decided to, when I just—and this is good news, by the way—for single mums too. Remember, I grew up in a single parent home, but when you as the single mum also decide, I'm not going to blame the fact that I don't have a partner, but I'm going to take responsibility. It's exhausting, but but mums, dads, if you're listening, I promise you that it's worth it. And Liam is now six foot three. He's 18. He'll be 19 this year. And look, I must say, I spent Georgia's whole life telling her not to be moody, thinking the girls would be moody. But I must say, Liam probably still is my slightly moody one to this day, but nothing like he used to be. But he is an absolute delight. And anyone that meets Liam, um, you know, says now, oh my gosh, he is such a polite boy. He's such a a beautiful boy, such a wonderful, compassionate, um, funny, but gentle boy. And I always kind of smile to myself and I'm really proud. I'm proud that I didn't give up. I'm proud that I learned better and therefore I did better. I'm proud that I took responsibility. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got a strong willed child, let today be the day that you go, I'm not going to use that as an excuse for their poor behavior. I'm not going to use that as an excuse for me just to give up and to parent poorly, but instead I'm going to take responsibility because just remember, I promise you that if you do the rewards are endless, not only from when they're younger, but if you do the hard yards when they're younger, the rewards are endless when they're older. So there you go. Come back next week. I'm going to unpack a little bit more about what you can do in practical ways. um, You know, what that discipline looks like, what taking responsibility looks like. Um, But anyway, there you go, guys, 20 minutes. That was amazing. Have a wonderful week. Um, make sure, uh, I love it when you guys rate the podcast, if you could do that, that's super helpful. It keeps the, I don't know, the, you know, keeps the, the, I don't even know the words to use. That's how untechnological I am, but, um, it keeps it up in the, in the popular feed, I guess, um, and share it with your friends. Um, that's yeah, I really appreciate it. Anyway, have the most wonderful week and I'll be with you guys next Wednesday until then. Don't give up and have a good week. Bye.